Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is Business Mexico of the Contreras Report, issue 113. Thank you so much for being there. Among other things, we're going to talk about the pandemic. 60,000 Mexicans have died so far, but the Mexicans are already looking forward to the end of the pandemic and and uh, progress into the next year. AMLO, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the president of Mexico now for two years, almost two years, brags he has fulfilled his campaign promises. We'll discuss that. We'll also discuss AMLO's intolerance to criticism and that governors are bailing out on AMLO, 10 governors to be exact. In Chihuahua, there is violence in the state of Chihuahua, just south of Texas, of El Paso, actually, farmers have rebelled because water is being sent north to the United States to live up to treaty obligations and is cutting into their water supply and hurting them. They have rebelled and violence has ensued. AMLO mimics Donald Trump on the border. AMLO and Trump are philosophical and action brothers. They are joined at the hip in a number of ways. AMLO is the second most popular leader in the world, according to AMLO. He says that the polls, public polls, that demonstrate or that conclude that he is not as popular as he was when he was elected or in the interim period since, he claims his polls show him more popular than the popular polls, who are, he says, run by conservatives and neoliberals and people that just simply don't like him. AMLO's primary campaign promise was to root out corruption. And we're going to discuss AMLO and corruption in great detail today because that has an effect on foreign investment, on foreign view of Mexico, and on Mexico's relations with other countries Everywhere, everywhere. Electricities are Manuel Bartlett, one of the most corrupt PRI politicians in all Mexican political history, is chairman of the Electrical Generation Government Agency for the whole country, for the Commission Federal de Electricidad, CFE. Well, his son has been smacked around by the Mexican government that Bartlett is part of because he has cheated, he has welched, he has not lived up to contracts, and he has committed fraud in the process of scoring millions of dollars, dollars, not pesos, worth of of contracts under AMLO, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador warrior against against corruption. Remittances continue to set new records of money being sent by Mexican workers in the United States to Mexico, despite the fact that unemployment is double digit in the United States and in Mexico, and millions of jobs have been lost. Pemex, financial experts are suggesting that Pemex, the national oil company, Petróleos Mexicanos, is hopeless economically, financially. Yet, despite 
Pemex being hopeless, and despite the governments trying to take over electrical generation from private sources, new investments are coming into Mexico. And old investments under AMLO are being made in corrupt and and environmentally dangerous uh, companies, government companies. We'll discuss that. Then there is some really interesting news. If you have a scientific bent, if you are like I was, oh, I don't know, 40 years ago or so, I saw a television documentary on the uh, archaeology of the Maya, uh, related to the Maya Empire. And I was watching this on public television, and I thought to myself, if I had seen this 10 years ago, I would have majored in anthropology or archaeology in college instead of political science. Really, that's how much influence that documentary had on me. And I felt the same way when I climbed the pyramids at San Juan Teotihuacan outside Mexico City, the original uh, uh, pyramids, the huge ones built by the Toltecs and then used by the Aztecs. Anyway, people digging up and, and grading for the new airport at Santa Lucia, north of Mexico City, for the new Mexican National Airport, have discovered a wealth, a treasure of mammoth skeletons and bones, up to 200 prehistoric furry mastodons, mammoths, have been found in this one place where they're building the airport. We'll discuss that. But then we will wind up with a few words about the Mexican War of Independence against Spain because, although you don't know this, I'm going to tell you, I'm actually recording this a few days before Mexican Independence Day, which is midnight uh, between September 15th and September 16th with El Grito, Muerto a Mal Gobierno, the great, great call for freedom, death to bad government by Father Miguel Hidalgo, a pure Spaniard who was tired, tired of seeing his parishioners, his parishioners who were mostly mestizos and Indians, treated like rabid dogs by the people born in Spain who were running Mexico. 1810, we'll discuss that, and that's how we'll wind up today's presentation. Again, thank you for being there. Again, this is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report Business Mexico. So what's Mexico doing now looking forward? They're not living in the pandemic. It appears at this point to have leveled off and is maybe has peaked and is starting downward uh, the number of of uh, infections and deaths, 60,000 dead so far. Mexico City Mayor Claudia Scheinbaum, S-H-E-I-N-B is in boy, A-W-M, or is it U? I'm sorry, it's U. Presented a, made a presentation and presented a funding plan to help the city of Mexico the Mexico Ciudad of Mexico, where I was born, by the way, 1941, that the city is going to dig its way out. The pandemic has, has really hit it hard because it is so crowded. It's like our New York City that got hit so hard. She said the plan is designed to create 300,000 jobs 
let's not call them new jobs. They're replacement jobs, okay? By the end of 2021, 16 months from now, 40 billion pesos has been budgeted. That comes to about 1.8 billion American dollars. So 40 billion pesos are being budgeted by the feds and the city. The city is considered on, on, on par with a state, okay? It, but it, it is the city of Mexico, Ciudad Mexico. It will provide loans to citizens and businesses. Another 27 billion pesos will be spent on educational, health, transportation, and other urban infrastructure projects. She says, expect private investments that, that she expects private investment will be 75, an additional 75 billion pesos, $3.5 billion during the final months of 2020 and first months of 2021. Two private projects to be built that are important are elevated roads, one to the new airport at Santa Lucia, which is north of Mexico City, and one to connect, to connect with the existing road to Puebla, which is about 100 miles east. Puebla is a city of over a million people, very important. It's in the middle of the trip from the Port of Veracruz to Mexico City. Finance Minister Luz, L-U-Z, Elena Gonzalez says plan has 10 different parts. Number one, temporary employment program of 15,000 jobs between September 15th this September 15th and end of the year, cleaning up parks, graffiti, etc. Salaries between 3,500 and 15,000 pesos. A revitalization of Central City and the Vallejo Industrial Zone with recycling plants to be built there. The mayor says 220,000 jobs were lost in Ciudad de Mexico, in Mexico City and that COVID-19 victims were 100,000 in Mexico City with 10,671 dead as of this week. AMLO, like Trump, claims to have fulfilled his promises. If you'll notice, uh, Donald Trump and his campaign is claiming to have lived up to a number of promises. He's lived up to some, yes. And AMLO is doing the second thing, or is doing the same thing. In his second annual report, just like Donald Trump, he claims, number one, to be combating corruption and getting rid of it. Number two, that he's responding to the pandemic like a national hero, which is false. Number three, he's delivering welfare programs. This is true. He wants all the help he's given during the pandemic has gone to poor people or to little tiny businesses with little tiny loans or grants. He takes credit for the new trade deal with the United States, which is interesting because he was always opposed to NAFTA. And this is NAFTA 2.0. It is not a new trade deal. It's just an up, an up uploading of a edited and added to NAFTA. He says that he has worked hard on the environment, but yet he's building railroads, uh, cutting trees in the jungles of Southeast Mexico and uh, wiping out entire forests. He's building uh, infrastructure projects. Yeah, he closed down a half-finished airport for Mexico City, costing billions of American dollars, 
and he's shutting it down and opened up a new airport project at an Air Force base at Santa Lucia. Plus, he's enlarging the existing airport. So rather than have one nice, big, new, modern airport, we're going to have one small, nice, new, modern airport and an additional, or a little larger, old airport that's been around for, well, I, uh, I started using it 50 years ago. AMLO says he has fulfilled 90, quote, 95 of 100 commitments, claims that his new economy, economic policy benefits ordinary people, that's, quote, benefits ordinary people of Mexico rather than the nation's wealthiest, unquote. Says his government, quote, will not be remembered for being corrupt. At the worst time, we have the best government, unquote, ever. Yeah, that's it's what he says. AMLO claims crime is down in his second annual report. Claims kidnappings, femicide, that's murder of women and girls because they're women and girls. Robberies, vehicle thefts have all declined. He says crime has gone down. But he's wrong. He does acknowledge that homicides and extortions are up. Kidnapping is down, but extortion is up. That doesn't make sense. But claims that no cases of torture, disappearances, or massacres have occurred while he has been president. Again, he's wrong, of course. Mexico's common cause, Causa in Común, says crime rate in first 20 months of AMLO between December 1st, 2018 and July 1st, 2020, was 16%, the crime rate was 16% higher than the first 20 months, the same 20 months, of President Enrique Peña Nieto's administration. And in the first 20 months of Felipe Calderón's administration in 2006, in the first 20 months, AMLO's crime rate is 23% higher than Calderón's was in 2006. Under AMLO, there are 99 homicides per day on average since he became president. AMLO claims that most crimes dropped 30% since he took office. Well, certainly no one can believe that because the statistics simply don't support him. He sounds like Donald Trump claiming things and claiming statistics that don't exist that are figments of his imagination. That's why I said AMLO and Trump are identical twins. AMLO's administration finds critical magazine for alleged two-year-old inaccurate info on a, government, or a paper bid for government ads. A $45,000 fine has been levied against Nexos magazine for a 2018 problem with submitted info in a bid for government ads. Before AMLO was elected, that was before AMLO was elected. That comes out to, by the way, to 1 million pesos. The Inter-American Press Association says fine is, quote, terrible precedent, unquote. Publishers f says fine is, quote, another sign of official intolerance to criticism. AMLO is just like Trump. He is totally intolerant of criticism from the press. AMLO does what Trump wishes he could do. That is, just sign a piece of paper and find uh, CNN or whatever.
After fine, public administrator, administration minister, the AMLO appointed Irma Erendia Sandoval said, today, no, quote, today, Nexus can continue to publish freely their ideas without depending on state funding. Yeah, right. <laughs> they came up with $45,000 American dollar fine because AMLO doesn't like their criticism that they ex ex exposed him to be a phony candidate for president before he became president. Ten state governors. Now, remember, there's 32 Mexican states. The governors of Aguascalientes, which is home to most of the Mexican car industry. The state of Chihuahua, home to most border industry outside of Baja, California. The state of Coahuila, Colima, Durango, Guanajuato, Jalisco, the second most important state in Mexico and most populous. Includes the city of Guadalajara. The state of Michoacan, famous for its avocados. Nuevo León, famous for Monterrey, Mexico, and industry. And the state of Tamaulipas, through which uh, the, so much trade with the United States occurs at the crossing at Laredo. They join together. They left the, the governor's association that they belong to and they formed their own to fight centralization of AMLO's power. Five of the ten are PAN governors, P-A-N, Partido Acción Nacional, the party that produced Vicente Fox and Felipe Calderón. Example of poor governance, they claim, the ten governors, AMLO demands state governors pay for his travels for him to visit his own projects. Come on, AMLO, quit being an amateur. Chihuahua farmers have attacked water facilities, the reservoir, the main reservoir in the state of Chihuahua. They fight with the National Guard over water. The United States is demanding that Mexico live up to its 1944 water treaty. It has taken more water out than it's supposed to, and that comes at the expense of the U.S., portion or percentage of the Rio Grande water or the Rio Grande Basin water. Mexico owes water to the United States. Mexico sends water north to pay it back or to start paying it back. Farmers rebel saying that drought, the serious drought is hurting their farming ability and they refuse. They don't want their water to go north. Even if we do, they, Mexicans do owe it to the United States. AMLO says they have to live up to their treaty and that Mexico has to repay the water. When water started north at La Boquilla Dam, 5,000 farmers gathered together, marched to the reservoir and attacked the dam and the administrative offices for the water area by and guarded by National Guardsmen. Farmers used Molotov cocktails, stones, and sticks. No, no weapons, no, no uh, pistols or rifles yet. Mexico owes 426 million cubic meters of water to the United States. Lopez Obrador is pulling a Trump. 
You know that President Trump stole money from allocated or appropriated military funds to work on his fence. Okay? We know that. He's, he's stolen several billion dollars, has come up with no plan to replace it, and yet he brags that he's done more for the military than any president in history, which, of course, is not true. Anyway, Lopez Obrador is doing the same thing. He's taken development money that's been set aside to help develop new economic things, uh, factories and industrial parks, and he's using it to restrict immigrants from, A, coming to the border from Central America. In other words, he's taking money and he's paying for National Guardsmen on the southern border to keep people from crossing into Mexico who want to go to the United States. He's also using that money to pick up people that the United States won't let in even to apply for refugee status and to pick these people up and fly them home to Guatemala or Nicaragua or El Salvador or wherever they come from. The Associated Press reports AMLO has ripped off money set aside in the Mexico Fund development money to finances, and he's uh, financing, uh, just like Donald Trump, immigration problems. Four million dollars has been spent to contain refugees so that they don't hit the American border. The Mexico Fund is designed to help Central America and Caribbean countries to keep people home and not to try to go to the United States. In other words, it's Mexico's, this part of it is Mexico's foreign aid program. Trump threatened tariffs on Mexican goods. So AMLO caved in to Trump and stole the money from the fund to pay for his efforts to appease Trump. Not a good deal. AMLO is the twin brother of Donald J. Trump. That is apparent every minute of the day of every day. President Lopez Obrador spends every day blasting the Mexican press. He calls it neoliberal, elite. He calls the Reforma newspaper a trashy publication, underworld journalism, bulletin of conservatism, no scruples, and, quote-unquote, without ethics. Vile journalism, quote-unquote. That's They are all conservatives. They act in an immoral way, quote-unquote, AMLO says. Obrador calls the Reforma newspaper Prensa Fifi, elite press. Prensa Fifi, quote-unquote. He is an absolute twin of Donald Trump, the biggest, most exposed president in U.S. history for incompetence, stupidity, and lack of real accomplishment in the face of a pandemic that by election day will have killed 200,000 Americans. Why all this AMLO rant against the Reforma newspaper? Because they ran a full page story, front page story, of corruption in AMLO's home state of Tabasco. $10 million has disappeared in a town run by a group of civic office holders and civic leaders, including AMLO's sister-in-law. All the suspects resigned from their offices without explanation. $10 million is missing. 
AMLO's complaint, corruption and embezzlement hasn't been proven, so why the story? Wait a minute. He accuses people by name of corruption. He accused former President Felipe Calderon of running a narco state. He hasn't been convicted, so why is AMLO throwing President Calderon's name around as, as the leader of a narco state that accepted millions of dollars in bribes? Question of AMLO. Why did your sister-in-law resign? AMLO claims he is second most popular leader in the world. He doesn't say who the most popular is, but I think it's either Putin or his patron or his, uh, his puppet, uh, Donald J. Trump. Recent polls, several, show that AMLO's popularity has plummeted. AMLO says polls that show decline in his popularity are biased. He claims the reformer newspaper polls showing 56% approval, which American presidents will kill for, that 56% approval only polled certain parts of the population, claims only, quote, organic intellectuals, unquote, and members of, quote, an organization that opposes him and his government, unquote, were polled. Really? Quote, I have my own opinion poll. That shows 70% approval, 65% approval in another one, 64% approval in another one, as that if there was a revocation of mandate, in other words, a referendum on his uh, presidency, that if that was held today, 70% of people would vote in favor of him continuing as president, unquote. Is that stupid? You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Donald Trump saying he would like a third term. He's running for his second term and running way behind at this stage of the game. And he says that after his second term, he would like to negotiate, quote, negotiate a third term, unquote, even though the Constitution says two terms, period. Two terms, period. That's it. And yet he's talking about negotiating a third term. He said only 25%, AMLO said only 25% of the people would vote him out of office and 5% wouldn't care. In other words, the 70% that would vote would vote to keep him as president. Another poll by ENKOLL, E-N-K-O-L-L, showed 58% approval. El Universal newspaper showed, a poll showed 53.4%. Oh, the Mexican poll of polls shows 57% approval, 39% disapproval. After 20 months of Felipe Calderon in 2006, 2006, 62%, that's five points higher than AMLO's popularity or approval rating. Felipe Calderon had 62% approval. Vicente Fox, after 20 months, also had 62% approval. Peña Nieto, on the other hand, the Partido Revolucionario Institucional, PRI president, for the, last, for the last six years before AMLO was elected, his popularity after 20 months was only 46%. And Ernesto Cedillo, who was elected in 1994, 
he was a substitute candidate for the candidate, the PRI candidate who was assassinated in Tijuana. His popularity at at the end of 20 months, his 20 months, first 20 months were 45 percent. But uh, he had when he became president, he discovered that the Treasury of Mexico had been totally ripped off and they had no money. He had to borrow $50 billion from the United States, from President Bill Clinton, to just get over the hump until they brought in some tax money. So being popular, being having an approval rating of only 45% makes sense in Cedillo's case. It makes sense in Peña Nieto's case because he was never popular. Never popular. And as far as Vicente Fox, 62%. After the first 20 months, that's great. Felipe Calderon, 62%. After the first 20 months, that's great. And 56%, 58% for, for uh, 56, 57, 58% for uh, AMLO is uh, okay. Better than Peña Nieto, but not as good as Calderon and Vicente Fox. The budget proposal by AMLO for the 2021 budget has been put on the table and given to the Mexican Congress for their consideration. They have to vote it, just like the Congress does here. Spending cuts. AMLO, in the face of the pandemic, is cutting the budgets of 12 government departments and two states and federal aid to the states. The health ministry is getting an increase of 16 billion pesos. The welfare ministry increases by an extra 8 billion pesos. Education will increase by 11.7 pesos, million pesos, billion pesos. The Navy, Army, and security budgets increase. Uh-oh. You remember his motto, hugs, not bullets? That's how he was going to cut the crime rate and cut the narco state that exists in parts of Mexico by the narcos, the narco-traficantes. It's not working, hugs, not bullets. So he has to increase the security budget. Infrastructure, he is doing something there. Yes, he's destroying the whole southeastern rainforest with his Maya train. The Maya train budget will increase 48.5% to 36 billion pesos overspending in 2020. Construction to continue in sections one, two, three, and four, and start in sections five and six on the train connecting the five states starting in uh, Tabasco and working to the state of Yucatan. He's spending, uh, he's increasing spending on the oil, the new oil refinery in Tabasco that's costing $9 billion billion dollars. He's spending, uh, he's increasing the spending on that new refinery by 9.1% uh, to over 45 billion pesos in the coming year. Spending on new airport, that's remember, he after shutting down the existing airport that, uh, that was half finished, he is uh, increasing the spending for times, 400% to over $21.3 billion on the new airport at Santa Lucia and the expansion at the old Mexico City Airport. He's also financing as finishing after being abandoned by the previous administration of Enrique Peña Nieto, the Mexico City to Toluca Railroad. 
that's probably important because Toluca has a lot of industry and it's about 40 miles outside of Mexico City, as I recall. I remember driving it a couple of times. By the way, that's where the largest Indian open market is in Toluca. I, I used to go there when uh, my uh, then wife and I and my brother and his wife had a little shop of Mexican imports in one of the San Diego County shopping malls. Uh, I used to go to the Indian market and uh, buy all kinds of stuff, all original art, no tariffs on it, no duties on it, and uh, put it in my uh, store for sale. And I remember one time there, I had a beautiful uh, duck that was uh, hand-painted, uh, made of uh, clay, hardened, of course, by by uh, in an oven, and it was beautiful. It was just gorgeous little duck. And this two girls came in, young ladies, and they said, one of them said, oh, Five ninety-five. I can get that for ninety-five cents in in uh, Guadalajara. I said, "You forgot the airfare." <laughs> anyway, uh, they're going to finish the Mexico City Toluca Railroad. I think that's probably a good deal. Thirty-two states. The con- federal contributions to the budgets of thirty-two states, including Ciudad de Mexico, will be cut by five point five percent. Budget predicts the budget document. And the budget preparers predict 4.6 growth for the year 2021, while Mexico is going through a 10 to 12% drop in GDP minus growth for this year because of the pandemic. The government is anticipating a budget shortfall. In other words, not enough revenue coming in to cover what they want to uh, spend. So it's asking Congress to increase debt limit from 532 billion pesos to 700 billion pesos. Remember, this is by a president who does not like debt, doesn't even, and brags that he doesn't even have a personal credit card. Okay, AMLOS flashes the budget and asks government employees to sacrifice for the country. He's cutting salaries and he's saying, come on. The problem is Mexico is being strangled economically by COVID-19 and AMLO is doing nothing but blowing hot air. He refuses to borrow money to help prop up the economy, business. He's limiting government help to mini loans to poor people and tiny businesses. He is not helping medium or large sized businesses. He has no help, offered no help to moderately sized or large businesses of any sort. The bulk of the business activity, and that's the bulk of the business activity, no programs to invest in major infrastructure programs, except the ones I just mentioned to you. He's killing the partially built airport, costing billions of dollars that have been already spent and can never be recovered. Because now they're talking about turning that airport, tearing everything down and building a big national park there. Come on. The economy is contracting by at least 10%. That's a disaster. 12 million jobs were lost. Anonymous former senior finance minister says, quote, the great paradox is that by not spending, you damage public finances more. Still quoting. If you don't spend more to smooth the shock, you will have a bigger contraction than, than you would otherwise have had. Unquote. Government cuts, he says, quote, go beyond austerity. It's ostracize. A-U-S-T-E-R-I-C-I-D-E. 
austerity side, actually, what he wants to say. You make it very difficult to provide basic public services, unquote. That is what Mexico deserves because they, they elected a populist amateur. The most visible symbol of political corruption is cash, either in the U.S. or Mexico. Does anyone remember videos of a U.S. congressman stuffing bribery cash into his coat pockets? Or how about the Louisiana congressman with a freezer full of bribery $100 bills? Well, in AMLO's corrupt free universe, corrupt free is in quotes. That's, those are my quotes. In his corrupt free universe, videos have now come to the light from under rocks to bite AMLO in the, you know what? Attack are based now on actual videos. A clear video has surfaced, actually two videos, of President Lopez Obrador's brother being handed bags, two paper bags full of cash. And he shows him sitting on a couch, reaching out to grab the money. Pio, P-I-O, Lopez Obrador, that's the brother, receives the cash. President says they weren't bribes. They were money for his political party to develop funding for the Morena party functions. Funding for Morena party functions. Bags of cash from a political consultant who AMLO has named to be the czar of distributing medical supplies in the country. It's a paid position. The guy's name is David Leon. He's a former civil, or he has been appointed, he's a former civil protection chief and shows him handing a bag that he says included or uh, held one million pesos, $45,300 to Pio, Lopez Obrador, President Lopez Obrador's brother. The exchange took place not in a secret place or in the basement somewhere. It was in Pio Lopez Obrador's house in 2015 at his house in the state of Chiapas. Audio has David Leon telling Lopez Obrador, Pierre Lopez Obrador, the brother, the cash is to support the Morena, that's the name of o Lopez Obrador's party, Morena movement, quote, unquote. The men also discussed arrangements for delivery of another million pesos. A second video shows Leon, David Leon, handing Lopez Obrador a fat, that's the brother, Pio, a fat envelope stuffed with cash. David Leon says on the audio, here, I'm bringing you 400. That is unquote. That's 400,000 pesos. Previous video shows two former PAN party workers, Partido Acción Nacional party workers, allegedly receiving 2.4 million pesos, supposedly to pay off Panista Congress people for votes to allow non-government companies to work with Pemex. That's the allegation. We don't know how true that is, or even if that was what the cash was for, or 
you know, we could see it was cash in the video. But they weren't senators and they weren't congressmen and they weren't the president's brother. Corruption-free President Lopez Obrador is a corrupt pre-PRI-style politician. He grew up in the pre, do not forget that, during its time when it was unquestionably the only political party that would win elections in Mexico by theft and otherwise. Lopez Obrador was weaned on his politics by the PRI. Make no mistake, the PRI historically is the most corrupt political party in North America in the history of North America, making America's Tammany Hall look like Boy Scouts. AMLO was the governor of a state that today is still poor because its PRI rulers and Partido Revolucionario Democrático that succeeded the PRI in some areas of the South that's the Democratic Revolutionary Party. They both have just stolen the state blind. They have ripped it off for over a century. Enough of yesterday. Today, AMLO is president. As president, he has the power he has sought for decades. Remember, 2006, he ran and Felipe Calderon beat him. In 2012, he ran and Enrique Peña Nieto beat him. He's been wanting to be president ever since he was governor of Tabasco. We just saw that raw, raw power at work. The National Electoral Institute, I-N-E, decided to reject a new political party organized by former President Felipe Calderon and his wife, Margarita Zavala. The party Mexico Libre, Free Mexico. The INE rejected the new party's charter because it said that 8% of its contributions list was from unknown individuals. The INE's board voted 7 to 4, mostly AMLO appointees, to reject the party's application. Both President Calderon and Ms. Savala, his wife, who ran for president in 2018, till she dropped out six weeks before the election, says they will appeal the decision with the entire federal electoral tribunal, the same organization that declared Calderon's victory over AMLO in 2006. AMLO's stooges on the general council were part of the seven votes against Mexico Libre, Mexico Libre. If they fail, if the Calderones fail with the tribunal, they have the courts and the infamous Mexican Amparo, Amparo injunction. It may take a while, but the Calderones will win the fight. Trust me. If they can organize, Calderon predicts it will be the only competition on the ballot in 2021 for the off-year elections for Congress. It will be the only competition on the ballot to AMLO's party, which right now runs everything. AMLO's buddy, Manuel Bartlett, the most corrupt PRI politician in the history of the world, his electricity commission, he runs the electricity commission, the CFE. His son has been banned by the Ministry of Public Administration from contracting with federal government agencies for anything for a year and nine months. Leon Manuel Bartlett was fined 887,000 pesos, that's $40,600, for this particular trans 
transgression. He signed a contract with the National Health Service, IMSS, to sell medical equipment to IMSS. But the equipment was faulty or wasn't delivered. That's the second time, this is the second time this year that he has sold defective overpriced ventilators to IMSS in the state of Hidalgo. And the Ministry of Public Administration banned him for 27 months for that, for the Hidalgo transgression, and fined him 91,500 American dollars. He has appealed that ban and that fine, but it's going to stick. Reports are that he has signed seven contracts worth 162 million pesos, $7.4 million in the past few years. But particularly in the past two years when his father has been chairman of the National Electrical Generation Commission. Corruption's getting worse according to Mexicans that were polled. Despite corruption corruption being President Lopez Obrador's primary goal, and despite his uh, so-called public campaign against it, public polling indicates 53% of, Mex of the Mexican public believes corruption has worsened under Lopez Obrador. Well, with videos showing that the president's brother collecting bags of cash, mm-hmm, Reforma Media Group, that's the newspaper, and Mexicans Against Corruption and Impunity conducted a poll. 38% of Mexicans believe Lopez Obrador himself is corrupt. That is an increase of 16% compared to last year. 43% only, only 43% think AMLO is doing a good job fighting corruption. <laughs> but that on support of women, of AMLO's anti-corruption campaign, women believe AMLO is doing well. But that figure fell 30 points from 2019. AMLO says corrupt politicians are behind the Yaqui Indians in the state of Sonora, not buying AMLO's promises. You will recall from previous editions of the Mexico, of the Business Mexico report, that uh, there are trouble with the Yaqui Indians of uh, Sonora, of which my grandfather told me we were part of, uh, that our Indian blood included Yaqui blood. The in Yaqui Indians were never, ever defeated by the United States government, according to my grandfather, or by the Mexican government. Although individual Yaquis were captured by Mexican troops and sold as slaves for a dollar apiece to the hemp growers, the Hennigan growers of the Yucatan Peninsula. Of course, their average length of service as slaves there because being from the desert and Sonora to the jungles of Yucatan, they didn't last long. Anyway, we talked about the AMLO meeting with the Yaquis in Sonora and the promise he made to them, promising to return land to them that had been expropriated by President Lázaro Cárdenas, the communist, back in the 30s, and uh, the land that he gave away to non-Yaqui Indians and Mexicans. And so uh, he promised to give them back that land. AMLO promises to return the same land to the Yaqui. He promises to redirect a natural gas line be built across Yaqui land. He promises to deliver government service to the Yaquis they've never had. Yaquis had built 
roadblocks on Federal Highway 15 specifically leading to Arizona. They also blocked the railway to Arizona, stopping goods on the way to Arizona. A lot of goods are transferred between Nogales, Mexico, and Nogales, Arizona, mostly produce. Not all Yaquis accept AMLO's promises. Some have resorted to blocking Highway 15 and the railroad again. That is what prompted AMLO to suggest, quote, corrupt politicians, unquote, of the PAN party, of the Partido Acción Nacional, are behind the mini disagreement. Not yet reached that the Indians have not yet reached rebellion, but that they're being encouraged to rebel by corrupt PAN party members and legislators and politicians. Some Yaquis have blocked the railroad leading out of the port of Guaymas to the export city of Nogales, Arizona. AMLO, quote, I was with the Yaqui people. I signed a justice commitment that includes resolving all their demands, unquote. Quote, it seems that one group doesn't agree with participating in what is being planned or they don't have the proper information. I also feel that there is manipulation, corrupt politicians, those who always take advantage of the moment, always get involved in these cases, unquote. They are, of course, the neoliberals, as AMLO calls them. Remittances. Okay. Continue at record levels despite huge unemployment in the United States and Mexico. Since January 1, $22.82 billion has been sent by Mexicans in, Mex in the United States to Mexico by remittances. 10% higher than 2019. In July, another record. $3.5 billion was sent from the U.S. to Mexico by Mexicans, a 7.2% increase over 2019. The Banco de Mexico says it's the third largest remittance level ever, July. Experts are astonished considering all of the millions of workers in the U.S. who have been, who have lost their jobs. BBVA Bank projects the year's total will be $39.4 billion. That will be 8.9, I'm sorry, 8.1% higher than 2019. The July average transfer or remittance was $343.30. BBVA bank studies show that the money is spent mostly on food, clothing, health, and health care. More remittance dollars means that remittance dollars are larger than foreign investment, tourism, and oil exports. Imagine that. Central Bank, Banco de Mexico, predicts the GDP will fall 12.8%. That's the worst case scenario in Mexico. Bank of Mexico warns that Pemex could become an economic incurable cancer. Deputy Governor of the bank, Jonathan Heath, says Pemex is Mexico's biggest public finance finances headache. It has a debt of 100 billion U.S. dollars, says Heath says government needs to find a, quote, structural and permanent or a structural permanent solution. Unquote. Moody analyst 
Ariana Ortiz Bolin suggests government should, quote, support Pemex with at least 1% of GDP, but prefers 2% of GDP annually, so Pemex can meet financial needs. Says government isn't providing resources that Pemex needs to invest and expand. Lopez Obrador hasn't provided sufficient funding to help cash flow, nor to increase reserves of production. Moody's lowered Pemex bond rating, Pemex's bond rating to junk, quote unquote, junk status in April. That's the credit rating. Mexico's government income depends on 14, or 14% of the government income that Mexico depends on comes from an operating Pemex. So it's a major deal. AMLO has pledged to, quote, rescue Pemex, unquote, and make Mexico self-sufficient in gasoline by 2023. His re, he's rehabbing Mexico's six existing refineries and building a new one in his home state of Tabasco, an $8 billion worth of construction facility. Good news. IKEA supplier, Econo Industry, I-K-A-N-O Industry, announces a new factory near Saltillo in the city of Ramos Arispe. It's the first North American plant for the company currently located in Poland. It makes mattresses and sofas exclusively for the Swedish company IKEA. The plant will eventually have 2,000 employees and be fill out a 100,000 square meter worth of floor in the factory. That's 100,000 square yards, okay, when it's fully built out. The plant will be solar operated and certified green Financing will be by HSBC Mexico. Good deal for Mexico. Wait a minute. We also see that the American company Black & Decker is building a $10 billion plant in the heavy industrial area around Monterey, Mexico. Stanley Black & Decker announced the new plant will be opened by the end of the year. 47,000 square meter factory in Apodaca, a Monterey suburb. It will eventually employ 25,000 new employees. It will manufacture a full range of power tools. Stanley Black Decker has 60,000 people in more than 100 operations around the world. Already announced new jobs in the same area are Thermo Fisher, Thermo Fisher, 700 new jobs, Mercado Libre, free market is the name of the company, Mercado Libre, and Amazon have announced 5,000 new jobs in the same area for next year. So that's good news. And more good news. Chinese truck maker is building a plant in Mexico. November will see the opening of a new truck manufacturer in Mexico, new to Mexico. It's the Chinese truck maker Shackman, spelled C-H-A-C-M-A-N. The new plant is in Hidalgo State, in Ciudad Saagun, S-A-H-A-G-U-N, Saagun. Shackman makes military vehicles, heavy-duty trucks, and buses. It sells in 90 different countries. 
Shamco is a subsidiary of the Shanxi, that's S-H-A-A-N-X-I, Automobile Holding Corp. Group. Founded in 1968, it has 32,000 employees worldwide. The company projects it will build 5,000 vehicles in the first five years, and it will start building for the Latin American market, then hopefully enter the U.S. market. Quote, great challenge. The great challenge is to conquer the American market, the U.S. and Canada, says General Manager Carlos Pardo, P-A-R-D-O. Mexico's superior free trade agreements, I say superior, that's Raul saying superior, make it preferable to building a plant in Mexico because it has double the trade agreements the U.S. has. It has double the free trade agreements that the U.S. has. Remember, Donald Trump hasn't added a single new trade agreement to the roster of trade agreements the United States has. Not a single one. The USMCA replaced NAFTA. Pardo says Mexico, quote, Mexico has a first-class logistics hub. Pardo hopes 2,000 units of its natural gas diesel engine models will be built by the end of 2121. Says these trucks are 40% more efficient than gas trucks. Cost around $120,000. Starting with 30 employees, the plant will eventually employ 100, which tells us without even being told that they'll be importing the parts and the infrastructure, the, the structural parts from China by ship and then assembling them in Mexico. That's a good start. Good start. AMLO refuses to close a Pemex refinery that is one of the world's worst polluters. AMLO says the country needs polluted a polluted refinery because it imports gasoline. The facility is in Caderete, C-A-D-E-R-E-Y-T-A, is one of Pemex's six refineries around the country, though there are none in northwestern Mexico. AMLO says Mexico will be self-sufficient if his energy plan, all government-owned electrical generation, is allowed to flourish. It's being held up now by court actions. He admits that Caderita is one of the world's worst polluters, but the country needs its gasoline says the people objecting to it are simply running for office against his artificial political party, Morena. State of Nuevo Leon has filed complaints against the refinery that opened in 1979. Electrical plant in Morelos. State is recommencing construction, expected to start generating by the end of the year. A mostly finished new plant in the state of Morelos, which is south uh, on the northwest of, uh, of uh, Mexico City, a modern thermal power plant, that's steam, in Wexa, that's H-U-E-X-C-A, gets the go-ahead from Lopez Obrador to commence or to recommence uh, uh, construction. They held one of his stupid local referendums and AMRO claims that 59.5% of voters approved moving forward. Remember, this was a plant under construction. He does this. He did this with the brewery in Mexicali. He's doing this all over the country, taking existing uh, facilities that are being built and putting them up to a popular vote in which a tiny number of people vote. 
The government says 53,532 people voted and that 59% supported continuing construction. Is that a stupid way to run a government, a country? The project was begun under predecessor Enrique Peña Nieto. Locals led by the grandson of famous revolutionary leader Emiliano Zapata, his grandson Jorge Zapata, claims that local water supply will be damaged. Government says no problem. Says water from the waste from a wastewater plant will be used to make the steam. Zapata leads 32 ejidos, that's communes, and 12 private landowners of small lots in objecting to thermal plant. How dumb. AMLO's policy of only government-generated power collides with the state of Baja California, which is run by a Morena ally of Lopez Obrador. You see, Baja California, where I am, is doesn't belong or is not part of the federal electrical grid. Baja California, that shares the border with the state of California and the USA, produces its own electricity because it's not in the national electrical grid. Like so many other facts of independence from the mainland, Mexico, Baja produces its own electricity with wind, solar, and thermal energy. It sells surplus production to California and buys energy from California sources when it needs to. In other words, it doesn't produce electricity 24 hours a day enough to, to fulfill its needs, so it will buy from California, uh, usually at night. Governor Jaime Bonilla, formerly a California Republican elected official in California, has announced that the state has issued a request for a proposal, an RFP, for a private company to build a solar plant that will produce at least 240 megawatt hours of electricity a day. AMLO's federal government is complaining about the move. Bonilla is of the same political party, AMLO's personal party, Morena. Electrical shortages during heat waves, like last weekend, have affected water distribution in at least a dozen or so uh, Tijuana districts, population districts requiring, or what we would call zip codes, requiring water, uh, water shortages for lack of electricity. They got the water, they just don't have the electrical power to run it, uh, to, to deliver it all the time. So there's a squabble going on within the, the president's own party with his own governor in Baja, California. Tourism is dribbling back in July. 1.4 million people came to Mexico in July. That's 66% fewer than July 2019. Spending is down 77%. February, 33.8 million Americans or people visited came into Mexico. And then it dropped from February to March to 2.8 million, 800,000 in April, 900,000 in May. It started to tick up again, 1 million in June. Revenue, $2.3 billion in February, $1.4 billion in March, down to $131 million in April, which is a 94% decline from April 2019. In May, started to tick up again, $154 million in revenue, tourist revenue, and in June, $231 million, which is a 90% drop from June of 2019. 2070 or 2027 months, 11.9 million people fewer than 
that that visited Mexico then in 2019, revenues down $8.2 billion. Tourism normally brings in 10% of the national GDP, so it is really important. In Yucatan, they're not standing still. They've announced building a new environmentally friendly stadium to hold 32,000 people that will cost $102 million. It will create 4,000 construction jobs. $102 million are what will be spent or created by the spending of the $102 million to build the 32,000 seat combination solar powered soccer baseball stadium in Merida, the capital of Yucatan. Stadium can be converted from baseball to soccer or soccer to baseball in seven hours. It'll be like the old San Diego Stadium where they have seats on the ground level that they are built on tires that are inflated and then moved around. 4,000 construction jobs, 1,000 permanent jobs expected to open in 2013. Good for them. Okay, now the mammoths. As I told you, 200 mammoth skeletons have been found at the construction site of the new airport in Santa Lucia. That's by construction workers. The record has been, before, has been in South Dakota State, in the United States, in the Great Plains. 61 sets of mammoth remains had been found in South Dakota. That was a world record. And now 200 mammoth skeletons have been found in Mexico at Santa Lucia. That's 200 so far. They also found numerous human-made tools made from mammoth bones, 25 ancient camel and five horses skeletons have also been found. They also, they're all extinct, of course. Okay, so now before I proceed with the Mexican independence, uh, let me, before I forget, give you my email address. That's Hispanic Commentator, one word, Hispanic commentator, that's two C's and two M's, at gmail.com. Send me anything you want, questions, answers, comments, uh, anything you want, I will respond to them. And uh, of course, uh, you are also invited to listen to our companion uh, uh, podcast, which is uh, the Contreras Report and Hispanic View of the USA. So, uh, all right, let us proceed. And let's now talk about the Mexican history segment, which will be the War of Independence. But before we get that, uh, that started in 1810. Before we get that, let's do a little review. The land that is now Mexico fell in the Spanish hands in 1521 when Hernando Cortes and his army of conquistadors, about two to three hundred plus Indian allies, toppled the Aztec Empire, ushering in three centuries of colonial rule and importing new diseases that decimated once flourishing native populations. Under orders from the Spanish King Charles V, Cortes founded a capital city, what we now call Ciudad de Mexico, on the ruins of Tenochtitlan and the old ancient, or the ancient Indian capital there in the Lake of Mexico on the ruins, and, and then a series of viceroys were appointed by the Spanish royalty to command the territory, which was dubbed New Spain. The earliest revolt against Spanish colonial government was led by Martin, Martin Cortes, the illegitimate son of Hernando Cortes, and his translator, a Mayan-born woman known as La Malinche. That's spelled, by the way, M-A-L-I-N-C-H-E. 
La Malinche, period. In the years leading up to the Mexican War of Independence, most plots to end Spanish rule were devised by Mexican-born Spaniards, or Criollos, who ranked below native Spanish-born Spaniards within Mexico's highly stratified caste system. The Criollos approach largely excluded indigenous Mexicans, the Indians, and mestizos, people like me of mixed blood, and like Martin Cortez himself, who were often deprived of the most basic political and civil rights. Napoleon's invasion and occupation of Spain from 1808 to 1813 heightened the revolutionary fervor in Mexico and other Spanish colonies. On, at midnight, on September 16, 1810, a Catholic priest, Miguel Hidalgo y Costilla, a respected Catholic priest and an unconventional one, what we would call sort of a hippie priest today, uh, given his rejection of celibacy and love of gambling, uh, issued a passionate rally, rallying cry known as the Grito de Dolores, the cry of Dolores. That grito was death to bad government, muerto a mal gobierno. And that amounted to a declaration of war against the colonial government, so named because it was publicly read in the town of Dolores. The grito called for an end of Spanish rule in Mexico, the redistribution of land, and a concept that the Criollos' earlier plans had deliberately omitted racial equality. There was a huge racial element to this revolt. Though a Criollo himself, Hidalgo extended his call to arms to mestizos and, and Indians. Their significant contribution of manpower changed the tenor of revolt. Hidalgo led his growing militia, which started off with a few hundred, to a hundred thousand from village to village en route to Mexico City, leaving in their wake a bloodbath that he later came to deeply regret. They killed a lot of white Spaniards. Defeated at Calderon in January 1811, Hidalgo fled north towards America, which he admired greatly, by the way. That was 1811. But he was captured and executed by a firing squad in what is now Chihuahua. Others took the helm of the rebellion, including a mostazo, a a um, mulatto, I'm sorry, a priest named Jose Maria Morelos y Pavon, Mariano Matamoros, and Vicente Guerrero. These guys, two of them, or at least, were former priests, who all led, and they were both uh, 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 mulattoes, including they had Negro blood in them, all led armies of indigenous and racially mixed revolutionaries against the Spanish royalists known as the Mexican War of Independence. The conflict, the conflict dragged on until 1821 when the Treaty of Cordoba established Mexico as an independent constitutional monarch under a criollo, Augustin de Iturbidi. Just 18 months later, the Republican insurgents of Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, you remember that name, and Guadalupe Victoria Asta, the emperor, and established the first Mexican Republic. Keep in mind that the empire that was founded in 1821 and 1822, the Mexican empire, went from what is now Panama to what is now Sonoma, California. It was the second largest empire in the entire world at that time, the Russian Empire being the largest. Just 18 months, it lasted just 18 months 
And then the circus that Santana, Santa Ana started and kept up until the Americans invaded Mexico in 1846. Death to bad government. That is what Father, the Catholic priest, cried for the people. It is the Republic of Mexico today, the United States of Mexico. It has its faults. It had its faults at the time. But Mexico has the 11th largest economy in the world right now. And in by 2030, it's expected to be the fifth largest economy in the world. Politically, it's better off than it was 20 years ago when the election of Vicente Fox changed Mexico. It right now is in a rut under the current president, but he will be replaced and he will be replaced in four years. Six years is all the Mexican president gets to serve. No re-election. Let us hope that a new and modern president will pick up the pieces left behind by Vicente Fox and Miguel Calderon and make Mexico really, truly great again. Make Mexico great again. How about that? <laughs> this is Raul Lowry Contreras. This is the Contreras Report Business Mexico. And I appreciate your being there. And I want you to listen to everything I put out is because I spent a lot of time doing this research and gathering information. And I like to know, I appreciate knowing that people are listening to it. I see the numbers. My distributor was ecstatic. The first issue that we did on Mexico said that that was the second highest ranking debut of any podcast the company has ever put out. Okay. Now we're up there. We're being listened to by thousands of people, uh, an issue in both the, the U.S. report and the Mexico report. And I appreciate you being there. Remember my email address, hispaniccommentator at gmail.com. Hispanic commentator is one word, two C's, two M's at gmail.com. Thank you for being there. And I look forward to the next edition. <laughs>